Today is a, a nice day to podcast. Good morning. Welcome. Good morning. Are we are we recording at this point? We are recording. Okay, super. Hey, how are you? This is Freedom Current. And what what is Freedom Current? What do we, what do we do? We're just a couple of guys who like to get together and, and talk, talk about, about our freedom in Jesus Christ. That's right. And that's what we're going to do. So we use the Bible. We like to look at Bible stories. We yep. like to kind of flesh those out, and um, we explore the deep grace of God. That's right. Well, yeah. and we changed things up a little bit. We used to roll at the end of our meet, our end yep. of our podcast to see what we're going to talk about, but we don't even know what we're going to talk about because we're rolling today. Now, well, before we roll, okay. we should we should introduce ourselves. Mm-hmm. In case you're a first time listener, I'm Jeremiah Kinney, and this is Brock Glaze. All right, and we're friends. We go to church <clears throat> together. We've known each other for years and years and years, mm-hmm. and um, we always used to sit around and have conversations about the Bible at you know our favorite Mexican restaurant or something like that. Yep. <laughs> and so we just decided we should record it. That's right. We recorded it one time um, while we were eating our chips and salsa, and the chips were just too loud. Yeah, they were. <laughs> and so it was Despacito by, Ju- by uh, Justin Bieber. So then, oh, yeah, was really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <sighs> okay, so we decided then. <laughs> Let me see if we can get the rights to that or something. Yeah, I don't think so. (laughs) That's that's a little out of our budget. (laughs) Maybe so. All right. So anyway, we're going to roll. And um, once we roll, we're going to then take a look at that scripture and um, talk about it. Right? Right, Is that what we're going to do? Yes, we are. And we have... An icosahedron. <laughs> I like it. Which is a 20-sided All die. Right. Do you know on the inside of a magic eight ball, that's what's in there, is a 20-sided icosahedron with all the different yes, no, maybe laters. Really? Yep. I found that out on Cash Cab. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I'm going to go ahead and roll okay. this die. <laughs> go ahead. And five. We've done that one. We've already done five. So Keep we've got to roll again. Keep on rolling. Three. We're, Withered we're okay and that. bruised reed. Okay. Yeah, that's Matthew 12. All right. That's what we're going to talk about. What have we done? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. eight. So this is number nine. Eight, nine. Plus the pilot. Plus our pilot. Which is not up here. Uh, yeah. So this is number 10. This is, this is number 10. This is number 10, but it's also number nine. It depends on how you want to count. Yeah. If pilots count or not. Do pilots count? That's the question. I think so. Anytime I start a season of a show, I'm I gonna, start with the pilot. I'm going to watch the pilot. I'm not going to skip And it. I'm going to bear with it. Yeah. And we're actually going to ask you to bear with it for like two episodes before we figured out the Probably. technology. Uh-huh. Right? Actually, I think our first... Oh, yeah, that's true. Our first two episodes, one, I was too loud and you were quiet. And one, you were too loud and I was quiet because yeah. I didn't know my mic and then we Then we had it figured out by like number... 
two slash three. Yeah, Matthew okay. twelve. Matthew twelve. Here we go. The New Testament. And we are both reading from. Are you reading from ESV? I am reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version. Yeah, me too. Our view, well, I don't want to speak for you, but I think I know it. Our yeah. view is get a good translation. Yeah, get a good translation. There's lots of good English translations. Yeah, yeah. They're all translations. So unless you're going to learn Greek and Hebrew, uh-huh. get a good one. Get an evangelical one. Yeah, that's true. Where they don't change words up Yeah, um, and, and, and drop out doctrines because they don't agree with them. And there are some, some translations that are really like... Paraphrasing, paraphrasing, and, I would say, and then some are real literal. And it's like that's fine to read as a supplement. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't use it as your primary Bible. Exactly. You know, if you just want to read some poetry and you want it to be biblical poetry, that's probably a good thing to read. That's a nice idea. I like that. All right, so we're on Matthew chapter twelve. Yep. Okay. And um, we've got the man with the withered hand, and down to the bruised reed. So are we starting at verse nine? I think so. I don't know where the bruised reed is. I think we knew where it was at the time. Um, let's. Well, let's just um, let's just start reading it. Let's just start reading. Let's just start reading at verse one. Okay, it's a humongous chapter. It is a humongous chapter. There's like and we we didn't verses. um we used to we used to roll at the end and then I would have read ahead and made sure. Mm-hmm. Where things were, so well, I guess this is just going to happen. Do we want to read the whole chapter? I kind of thought maybe it would be good to start with verse one and read till we get to wherever the bruised reed is. Okay, and we we could be done. All right, cool. Which is, I think, or I think we might end up reading to verse thirty-two. Okay. Yeah. Does that sound good? Sounds good to me. You want to read, or do you want me to read? Um. How about I read and you pray? Okay. Uh, let's Does that start. sound good? Absolutely. But is that what we did last time? I don't know. Okay. We're, we're free to do whatever we want. Okay. As, as far as this goes. <laughs> Here okay. we go. Dear, dear Jesus. Oh, you want me to pray first? <laughs> you pray. That's go what I'm saying. pray. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah, I was going to read and then you pray. <laughs> oh, yeah. But no, I like it. You pray. Sorry. Okay. okay. Our audience doesn't mind this. No. Okay. Dear Jesus, you wrote us this Bible. In fact, these are this is a, this is stories where you are directly involved. Um, we we get to read history about um, our Lord and Savior, who's the Son of God, who came into this world and dwelt among us and taught people and healed people and loved people. And we just want to give you the praise and honor. And I pray that um, you would help us to learn something new. We always do, but I pray that you would just be with us as we're reading from your Scripture. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Okay, well, here goes nothing. We're going to start in verse 1. Matthew chapter 12. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Hmm. 
He went on from there and entered their synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand, and they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So that they might accuse him. He said to them, Which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored, healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there. And many followed him, and he healed them all, and ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench, until he brings justice to victory, and in his name the Gentiles will hope. How about we end right there? That's good. Okay. Wow. There's, well, there's a lot to talk about. Yes. Even if we just talk about the, the opening scene. No doubt. Instead of the withered hand. Oh, that no, that is the withered hand. Yeah. Well, it's all kind of all goes together. It's kind of about the Sabbath, isn't it? Yep. It is about the Sabbath and okay. healing on the Sabbath. Well, it's just like he he raised, he put out his hand. I mean, what kind of, how much work was that really? Yeah, they think that Jesus so is doing the work of like a doctor. Like a professional doctor, oh. you know what I mean, and so a professional doctor would have to get like, out his bag and, and do whatever work, official work, and you're not supposed to do your job, <laughs> your occupation on Sabbath day. Oh. And they don't know that Jesus is the Creator. Yeah, and not only that, if obviously this man is being healed of God, mm-hmm. and if God didn't approve. Would he do it? You know, Jesus makes that point, and I forget where, but he does make that point. By whom do you think I do this? Yeah, no kidding. And do you think God's going to allow Satan to do these kind of miracles, which are improving people's lives on the Sabbath? I mean, just to profane the Sabbath. And that's why he calls that attitude when they would say, well, he's doing it by the power of the devil. He's calling that blasphemy against the Holy Spirit because he's doing it by the power of God, Mm -hmm. by God the Spirit. And um, that's where he even talks about, you know, this being an unpardonable sin. Because what it is is a complete rejection of God. And you can't, you can't, um, if you're going to continue to reject God, there's, there's no hope. But anyway. All right. So start at the beginning. Yeah. Talk about um, when they ate a little bit. They ate a little bit. And um, they began to pluck heads of grain. They began to eat. <laughs> Because they were hungry, it says. So they're walking through. It's a Saturday morning. They're walking through a cornfield. And they just pick a thing and chew on it. Yeah, or a wheat field or whatever. You know, they just pick. They just snatch something off. And what kind of work is that? No, it's no more work than if the food was already in a bowl and you picked it up out of the bowl. And you're allowed to eat on the Sabbath. You are, but you're not allowed to harvest on the Sabbath. And so that's what they were doing is harvesting. Even if it was the smallest version of harvesting. Yeah, it's literally just breaking it up and putting it directly into your mouth. Yeah, single serving harvest there. 
<laughs> single serving. You know what I mean? Oh. Uh, so anyway, that's what they're doing, and that's that's that 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 um, legal mentality where it's it's taking what God has written and using it as a legal binding um, contract mm-hmm. or document that shall not be broken in its slightest degree. Whereas Jesus is saying about David, about priests, about when you're looking at these disciples, when you pull a sheep out of a pit, he's like, God made you to be humans and to use your brains and to be able to put in priority which things are more important than others. Let's talk about this then for a second. What, um, what can we derive from the Bible? And obviously, this there, God, when God institutes something, there are myriad reasons for him to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, what are the reasons for the Sabbath from, as a gift from God to us? And I can think of a handful at the moment. Yeah. Um, but if we know what those reasons are, then we can see why these stupid legal rules of you can't pick a thing off and eat it is actually just a worshiping of like legalism rather than um, experiencing the Sabbath the way God intended it. I think that's a brilliant way to look at it. And it's very biblical because God gave us the reasons in the Bible. And so it's not like you're using your own human logic and twisting it. I mean, there's a proverb um, that I read last week that says... Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. So we can come up with our own logical reasons yeah. for why, and God might still disagree with that. Yeah. But if we like say, what are God's reasons? Did God write in Scripture any of his reasons? Then I, And if he did, then I can go back to the scriptural reasons and then work from there. Mm-hmm. I can work backward and then work forward back to my problem. Yeah. Shall I or shall I not harvest a single piece of barley out of the field and chew on it mm-hmm. on a Sabbath? Day? Well, because because you know, yeah, it's it's we may have then based on those reasons written some laws to hedge us and protect us from from accidentally starting to abuse the Sabbath, such as you're not allowed to harvest. Mm-hmm. But harvests can be interpreted then in many ways like we're seeing here. Yeah, and so then it's like, wait, 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 wait. Is this God's view of harvest and what he really meant when he set up the Sabbath? Mm-hmm. So let's think about that as we go back to that. Where did God write about the Sabbath? He wrote about it in... Leviticus and Exodus. Yeah, yeah. So he wrote about it in Genesis. Yeah, Genesis right? obviously the with the seventh day. story, right? Yeah. And then he wrote about it in Exodus, where he gives the Ten Commandments. It probably explained it more in Leviticus. And then he would have come back to it again when he did the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy to the second generation of of ex-Egyptian slaves, right? So so, um, he's talked about it in those places. And in all of those places, he says it's a day to rest, Mm -hmm. right? Oh, and I bet in numbers somebody got in trouble for abusing the Sabbath. I think some guy was picking up sticks or something like that on the Sabbath day. Um, he wasn't prepared the day before. And probably somebody was trying to reap some manna or something like that. Maybe that didn't even fall. I don't remember. It was given as a day of rest to give you a chance to just cool out, right? Mm-hmm. But deeper than that, it was given as a way to see that God is a provider, 
The mana story, if I recall correctly, mana would drop uh, double on Friday so that you could eat for back in the wilderness, right? When they're wandering in the wilderness Mm -hmm. and there's no food growing anywhere. And God was literally dropping food from heaven for them every single day. (laughs) Wouldn't that be cool? Mm -hmm. And so he drops double every Friday so that they would have enough for today. And they'd gather it up and have enough for Saturday so that they wouldn't have to go out and do that. Now, when did manna rot? Because I thought it only lasted a day. It would last a day except on Fridays. Wow. Or Saturdays. No way. And so he would drop the double amount and then they would pick it up. And it would last. And, and it would last and they would be able to eat it on on Saturday, on the Sabbath. Huh. And so um, if they tried to get real industrious or greedy and, and store a whole bunch up on like a Tuesday, uh, it would rot by Wednesday. Yeah. God would be saying what to them? He's the same thing. It's like, have faith, I'm a provider. Have faith, I'm a provider. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so um, that was the whole idea of whether or not you should harvest on the Sabbath and all of that sort yeah. of thing. Have faith, I'm a provider. Okay, but, but Jesus is saying, okay, it's about resting. It's about having faith in God. Mm-hmm. These guys are just walking through a field. Um, what kind of rest? What kind of lack of? What kind of lack of rest or lack of faith is going on here? None. None. And they're not. They're not going out to harvest to be greedy and to make more money because they think that they're not going to be able to pay a bill. Right. You know, right. they're literally just walk, wandering around and they're just like, oh, snap that, put it in my mouth, eat it. And they're resting. That's actually the epitome of resting. The food is right there. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, a great point. That is the epitome of resting. If they couldn't have eaten, that would have been more miserable because that, they're eating it for the, the moment. They're not storing it up for later and trying to like add to their storehouses because of their lack of future faith. And so what is the, it's the, the difference here is, is God a good God or is God a God of misery? Yeah. How do you want to look at God and how do you want to try to live your life? And I do think that there are some religious folks who kind of wonder if maybe God is a God of misery and maybe God isn't necessarily for them. Maybe he's not necessarily on their side or very benevolent and... I still, I've got to toe the line and I've got to, I've got to live by the rules because of his threats or his danger. I mean, what's crazy is like as a father of children, um, I, I, I have rules, um, but those rules are for my children's own good. Right. And, um, they're there are times when those rules can be broken because they act breaking the rules is actually necessary for their good. You know, whatever that might look like, you know, they might have a rule, don't jump on the bed. But if there's a fire in the house and they need to jump on the bed to get out the window, I want them to jump on the bed. You know, it's not, you're not, you can't just not break that rule. Right. You know, there's just weird. It's And not only that, um, I don't treat my family and my children with like, the letter of every law, because that's always 
tricky. And in fact, it can be abused the opposite way. You can find loophole, loopholes in letters that actually break the spirit of the law. Exactly. You can do it both ways. That's what, that's what the Pharisees would do. They would create all of these loopholes so that they wouldn't break the, the letter of the law, but they'd be breaking the spirit of it. Yeah. So like if they knew that they could only walk a certain distance... They had written, what, what distance can you walk on the Sabbath day before it turns to work? And so they had decided how far that was. Um, but they would also say, now you can walk from, let's say you own two houses. You got two pieces of property. And so you could walk from this one to that one. And that's not work. And then maybe later in the day, you've got a third place to go. You can walk from that property to the other. And so they would be able to string distances together based on whether or not there were, were intervals of property, personal property. So they might even plan ahead with where they might leave things, where they might um, um, plan to go and whatever, so that they could walk those extra long distances but have... Um, have a legal out. Yeah, a loophole. Yeah. Now, where's the spirit of the law in that? I mean, they're great lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But, yes. And that's, you know, that's the problem. And that's the great fear that I have for a lot of people that have spent a lot of time in the Bible without spending a lot of time meditating on the character of God and his grace and love for them is that they've become great lawyers. Mm-hmm. And that they know how to navigate this book like it's a document. Yeah. And not like it's a gift. And so Jesus is saying, let's think about, let's think about the most holy of things. He says, what is the most holy of things? How about the tabernacle itself? Right? Mm-hmm. And do you know what he means by the bread of the presence? We grew up with the King James Bible. And so do you remember the thing called the table of the show bread? Mm-hmm. So that's what this is. Show, presence. It's the, you know, it's just how you translate that, whatever that word is. Okay. Okay. So it's that bread that would be in the tabernacle. That was for the priests to eat. Nobody else. And David one day is on the run from Saul. Saul's pursuing him. Saul's got his his minions out there trying to kill David. And it's a Sabbath day, or maybe it's not. I don't even remember what day it is. But he arrives at where the tabernacle is, and he's starving to death. And, and they haven't eaten in I don't know how long. And they've been on the run. They're parched. They've been making double fast time, going through all kinds of terrain. And they get here, and there's food. And they eat it. And there's no like recrimination from God when they eat that that bread. They're not struck dead. Well, and Jesus the priests is... don't cut them, you know, cut them off, excommunicate them. The priests don't chastise them. And Jesus says, well, well, let's look at how the prophet who wrote about this dealt with it. And so this is a really cool thing. Jesus isn't just saying that was okay. Jesus is saying, let's look at how it was written in our Bibles, in our Old Testament. Yeah, because the Bible does mention when people sin. Yeah. And we can't just say, oh, they, they sinned and it's in the Bible, so we can do it that way. Right. Or it's going to please God to do right. this. Right. So Jesus looks back at it and goes, that, that wasn't a violation. What does he say exactly? 
Um, Haven't you read what David did when he was hungry? How he entered the house of God, ate the bread of the presence. It was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. So so he, he says, look at that. That, that was permissible. That was written about. Whatever prophet wrote that, by God's, by God's authority from the Holy Spirit, wrote that that was okay. Mm-hmm. He goes, now how's that okay for David to eat tabernacle food that was only for the priests? Let's think about it. God loves David. David's on the run. David's starving. God's going to say, nope, this bread's only for priests. He's not going to do that. He goes on to say, haven't you read in the law how on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? Do you get that one? This one's a cool verse. Every Sabbath, the priest has to do his job. Mm -hmm. But you're not allowed to do your job on the Sabbath. Yeah. So it's a catch-22, right? Yeah. So apparently, the Sabbath is not this this thing that it's, it doesn't have wiggle room. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's like, guys, come on, let's think about it. There's something greater than the temple right here. Me, he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Now that is a bold statement. Yeah, and then he says, the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. Yeah, and that is a bold statement. What do you think <laughs> of that? What do you think about that? Uh, I love it. Yeah. Well, And first of all, it's just like, listen, I'm here. I am greater than the temple. You guys are you guys aren't even worthy to be in my presence. No doubt. And I and you are and I love you for and they God you're, is not punishing you for being in my presence. You're trying to teach me and trap me and trick me. You're profaning the temple. Yeah. I don't care what day of the week it is. Yeah, that's something greater than the temple is here. <laughs> oh my goodness. It could be a Monday and you're profaning something worse than greater than the temple. A worse sin. So I like this, verse 7. If you had known what it means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Yeah. Wow. It's like, so the point of the Sabbath, there's lots of points, but the point of the Sabbath that we mentioned earlier is that God wants us to know that he's a provider. So if we are, if we get into a place where we are self-sufficient and worrying about ourselves and think that we can provide for ourselves, we're going to end up working seven-day weeks just so that we can continue to make money and continue to store back money so that we can put food on the table because we are responsible for putting food on the table, quote-unquote. So it's a a day that's been given to us, A, to rest. It's like mandatory rest. You have to rest this day because God knows that our bodies are finite, Mm -hmm. and uh, he showed us the example. But then at the same time, it's also a way for us to hedge off the temptation for self-sufficiency and even greed mm-hmm. and things like that by saying, I will provide for you. Don't worry so much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Money and God's provision are put right together in one of the most famous verses in the Bible at the end of Hebrews, Hebrews 13, like verse 5. It says, don't have a love of money. Haven't you read? I will never leave you or forsake you. Money will leave you and forsake you. Yeah. Because you have to spend it. And you mm-hmm. can't be in control of the things that come up that require you to spend it. But God never leaves us. So who who's your God and who who's your provider and who are you putting your faith in? Your ability to accumulate money or God in heaven. Hmm. 
That's the focus of the Sabbath. Not, are you keeping the rules? Yeah. Haven't you read that I desire mercy more than sacrifice? Yeah, so if you see somebody eating a piece of grain off of the stalk, have mercy. Have mercy. Maybe he was hungry. Yeah. Maybe he needed it. Maybe this was... Maybe it was a blessing that he ended up in this field and that this field was growing at just mm-hmm. this season because maybe he's starving. So there are two gods that Jesus pictures, the real God and the false God. There's this false notion of God that all he desires is sacrifice. Yeah. And there's this real God who what he desires is mercy more than sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's flesh those out. What is the God that we invent, the figment of our imagination and of our fears the god who desires sacrifice what is that like what is that god like and what is it like to serve him well sacrifice oftentimes goes hand in hand with suffering and that would just be a god who cares more about suffering constantly wants you to continue to sacrifice that's it merely for the sake of um showing his power over you oh, or yeah. something yeah um so because of you're you're afraid yeah. yeah and the only way you would continue to endure this sacrificial so not not that there's nothing good about sacrifice but sacrifice by its by its nature as its highest as its as his highest desire yeah he wants you to his creature continue to go through sacrifice oh can you know but yeah, but sacrifice when it's done for the good of another is is a higher motivation mm-hmm. and it shows it actually shows mercy. Yeah. You're having mercy on someone else yeah. and you're allowing yourself to to lose out a little bit for a time because you know he is always going to be with you and he's not going to forsake you so you can trust. Yeah. And you can sacrifice and go through a temporary suffering because you know you'll be taken care of. Now that's that that sounds like because you know God is good, you can be good. Yeah. But if you don't know that God is good, maybe you don't have room to be good. Yep. So I want to talk about that idea. What is it like to serve the God whose highest desire is sacrifice? What is it like to serve him? It's all self-centered. All you're thinking about is my sacrifice. Am I pleasing that God with my sacrifice? Yeah. But... You are not. You're not thinking about others. You're not others focused. Yeah. Because you don't. You can't be. Because you're. You're continually. Yeah. You know, forcing yourself in these strict laws, and you can't. Yeah. You can't give freely. And yeah. I don't think you can be very joyful or very happy. I used to call it a, a, a theology of hand wringing. I hope this is okay. Oh goodness. I, I, I just had to do this. I just had to exercise a little wisdom here. And I hope this is okay. What is God going to do if I, if I, you know, and you're presented yeah. with some sort of dilemma and you did your best to choose, but if he's a God of sacrifice only, you're worried. Was that the right thing or the wrong thing? I don't know. Maybe I should have walked out. Maybe I shouldn't have stayed. Maybe I shouldn't know them. Maybe we shouldn't have talked very very long maybe i maybe i you know and you're just Mm -hmm. so you can't trust him Mm -hmm. i think it creates this religious neurosis 
And I don't think you can bear up under that very long. And I think eventually you get either depressed or angry. And so if you get angry, I think you either get really angry at God or I think you get really angry at all of the rule breakers. Yeah. Who are out there having a better time than me. Yeah. I think that's why we have a lot of anger in churches. I think that's why we have a lot of anger um, about churches. About churches. Yeah. I think that's why we've got a lot of anger when we're talking and debating politics on either side of it. I think because is God a God who desires mercy or a God who desires sacrifice? Yeah. We just can't trust him and it's not safe to live with him. Mm-hmm. What is it like to serve a God whose highest desire is mercy? What do you think about that? What is it like? If, if in your heart you have an idea, you see a need, you see somebody else in need, um, and you want to do a good thing for them, you don't have to question whether or not doing that is is going is God's will. Yeah. Like God, he if I mean the, the devil is not going to put in your heart to go and do this good thing for someone else. Yeah, um, God is, and you can just freely do it and not even have to worry about. Well, okay, I just gave away that last $40 in my wallet and you know I'm not sure how I'm going to be able to make it the next couple of days till payday or something and you know God's going to take care of you mm-hmm. um, and he is you can just have faith you don't have to worry yeah because he's a God of mercy and you showed mercy and he's going to show mercy to you he shows you so much mercy that the little bits of mercy that you show are pitiful it, but he loves it it just makes him grin from uh-huh. ear to ear he's like oh okay I'm rubbing off on him yeah. You know, it's it's a thing that that demonstrates to others this is the character of God. Yeah. I want to reflect that. And it's a pale reflection, but it's a reflection. I want to reflect that character of God. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think that's beautiful. We haven't even gotten to the withered hand or the bruised reed yet. Mm-hmm. Let's keep going. So Jesus went on, he entered a synagogue, and we still got a Sabbath debate here. Yep. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And we kind of talked about this at the very beginning of the podcast, right? And he says, okay, which of you has a sheep and if it falls in a pit, you won't take hold of it and lift it out? Okay, so describe that. What's going on there? They're just walking a sheep down the road, and they're, or they've got a bunch of sheep, and they maybe have a sheep dog that's kind of, you know, raining them oh, in, yeah, they're yeah, walking yeah. down, and because they have a bunch of sheep, there are some sheep that are a little bit farther away, and you don't realize that there's a big hole over there, mm-hmm. and one of your sheep wanders over and falls into the hole, and you start hearing, Because sheep are dumb. They are totally dumb, and it wanders <laughs> and it falls out, and a sheep on its back isn't going to go anywhere. <laughs> I can't do it. And so you know, it's not a goat. It no. can't just spring out of that hole. And so you have a lot of things, a lot of conflicting ideas. A, this sheep is very valuable. This is something that I don't want to lose. You know, I could, you know, this sheep I could sell it for thousands of dollars or something, and it's valuable for whatever my business is. I sell wool coats yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. Or and B, you have the conflict of this is a living animal who's currently suffering, and I want to go down there and get it out. So it's, it's if I just leave it there just to die of starvation in this heat. Say, sir, you gotta you gotta wait till Sunday. I can't. It's it's Saturday. I can't I mean, pull you out. Humans understand that it's inhumane to mistreat creatures like yeah. that and that would be a mistreatment of a creature right. right and then jesus is like and on top of that there's yeah. scripture for this 
again, yeah. maybe in Leviticus somewhere, but there's scripture that says, I think it's the ox it mentions. If your ox falls in a hole on the Sabbath, pull it out. Mm-hmm. God's like even saying, okay, yeah, make okay. priorities on the Sabbath. Day. Yeah, and, and it's going to be a lot of work to pull an ox out of a hole. No doubt. That would be. Good that, point. You're not, I mean, that's like getting in a car wreck on a Sunday. Like, are you allowed to call the police and actually deal with this? Like, it's a pain in the butt. Yeah. But it's way more work than that. Yeah, you're right. That's you're a right. big old You're going to have to animal. go get some friends. Mm-hmm. you got to get a, 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 a police system. I was just going to say that. <laughs> Yes, you, you need to call a you, need to call, tree. you need to call AAA for oxen. Triple <laughs> O. <laughs> and you got to get this guy. You got to get this thing out of there. Okay, so you're gonna jump in the hole, put the sheep on your back, then you're gonna climb out of the hole. Probably gonna get dirty. Mm-hmm. It's work. You have to actually go out in your field. You're gonna break a sweat, and you got to go do this, right? Mm-hmm. So this is a thing on the Sabbath, and it's a. How does Jesus treat it? It's a no-brainer. Yeah. Doing no. good on the Sabbath is a no-brainer. God pro- God desires doing good over trying to keep all these little rules. Mm-hmm. That these rules are only to serve good, not to prevent good. Mm-hmm. The rules that- are a slave to the master, and the ma- and he's the Lord over the Sabbath. The rules are are a slave to the master, and the master wants you to do good. And so the rules are there for your good, but once once they stop you from doing good, that's no longer the point. Yeah. And I want to get a little sidebar real quick. He says, which of you who has a sheep? In other words, he's talking to some guys who might be shepherds or farmers or whatever. I don't know. I'm not very agriculturally minded. But he's talking to Pharisees. Mm-hmm. Who own sheep. We need to make sure that we understand Pharisees were not some like bookish scholar class. Mm-hmm. That's the scribes. They're not some office workers, some kind of like, you know, they wear like black robes with white collars. These these Pharisees are your regular Joe Blow guys who go to church, they do their best, they try to read the Bible, and but they have living, a normal day job. They have a normal day job and they are living in fear of God. That they are regular, pew-warming, faithful church attenders. Mm-hmm. I think it's very possible for a lot of us who get accustomed to church and get accustomed to reading our Bibles and grew up with reading our Bibles mm-hmm. to know so much about the Bible without knowing so much about God. Mm-hmm. We gotta be really careful. And so I wonder what are what are applications of ways where we are afraid because we don't trust God, we are more afraid of keeping the rules than doing good. We are more afraid of taking care of ourselves than doing good. I think there's a lot of things. They could be small things like within a family. The way we might bark at our children because we're trying to get to church on time. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they could be, I don't know, ways where we make people feel bad for having some, I don't know, 
they, they broke a rule and we just won't ever forgive them. They got a divorce and we just, we just can't ever forgive them. Hmm. That little teenage girl got pregnant and we just won't let it be. Yeah. Yeah, those are good examples. You know, we, we won't forgive. What about, what about the way we look at people who didn't grow up in this country who want to come to this country? Mm-hmm. And we, I think we really need to question our fears. And we need to question our certainty and how adamant we feel. Is it, is it because we're afraid? Does it come from, I'm afraid of how God might take care of me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Am I being me first? I don't want to wade into a whole lot of politics. I don't know that. I, I want to be real humble here. And I know that I don't know a lot on these topics. But let's approach all of these topics with an, a mentality that God wants us to do good because he is good. Mm-hmm. And we have entrusted ourselves to him. Make wise policies do the right thing, make sure we don't condone or endorse sin at the smaller levels. Mm-hmm. But we have to remember that God is a God who loves good. Yeah. He certainly would rather you, you speak sweetly to your child on Sunday morning and graciously than get all nervous that you're going to be late mm-hmm. for church. <clears throat> Absolutely. Well, and then the very next verse, talking about people in general, or or actually we 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 kind of skipped past that one, I think. Or no, we didn't. Here we go. No, you're still talking about the sheep, and Jesus is just like, how much how much more value oh. is a man than a sheep? Oh, isn't that beautiful? How much mm-hmm. more value is a man than a sheep? So when we see you know a Muslim in our town, and we're Christian, and they're wearing their their traditional outfits and things instead of being resentful that they're in our country and we think that um they're taking over yeah exactly they're gonna, they're gonna somehow ruin democracy on a personal level how much more valuable is that human than i don't know whatever policy or thing we're trying to defend yeah. you know that person was is created in the image of god yeah. and god absolutely loves them yeah and we can show love too Absolutely. There are um, um, priorities, Jesus is saying. Let's make sure our priorities line up with the true character of God. Yep. And we're supposed to be salt and light. Mm -hmm. That's our job as Christians. You know, God's going to take care of stuff. God institutes governments and kings and all that stuff, and that's not me. Now, I vote and I have responsibilities civilly, but at the same time, my main responsibility is for the here and now and to be salt and light to the people God puts into my life. That's, that's right. And some of those people are the, the people like maybe, um, the, the, maybe the object of my fear. Perhaps I am afraid if I see a Muslim and I flash back to 9-11 or something like that. I personally am not. Yeah. But maybe, maybe someone is. 
okay? And maybe they've got whatever reasons. But maybe it's not that person, but maybe it's a person who is wanting to be more welcoming to them. Does that make sense? Like a third party where, where we need to be ready to be salt and light to that person too. Mm-hmm. That that person who might be just very similar demographically to me, I need to make sure that I'm salt and light to them. I need to make sure that they see in me a reflection of the character of God. Yeah. How will I treat others? Um, my children are more valuable than showing up on time. That pregnant girl is more valuable. And her baby. And her baby is more <laughs> valuable than um, making a point to make sure that it never happens again. Seriously. Something like that. That we've got to make priorities based on the character of God, not based on the rules. Yep. That gets us down to um, this beautiful passage from Isaiah. Um, The ESV's got a little subtitle, God's Chosen Servant. Mm -hmm. Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there. So he knew that they couldn't handle it. Well, and he knew that they were plotting to to, to get him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not that he couldn't take care of himself, but still, he's just he just gonna... wasn't going to make his stand in no. there, was he? No. So he just left. Isn't that amazing? Right there, that's enough to think about. Right there, he wasn't going to make his stand right there, and he was going to let them think about it and mull it over and get mad, and eventually they might have ears to hear. Mm-hmm. And many followed him, and he healed them all. That's also beautiful. That's a beautiful phrase. That's a throwaway verse, right? We're just moving on to the next story. Yeah, it's like, it's like a this. segue. It's a segue verse. That's <laughs> a good, and some of these segue verses are just gorgeous verses in and of themselves. Even though he withdrew, many did follow. And, okay, so are you, are you going to plot against Jesus because you love the religious rules, or are you going to follow Jesus? Mm-hmm. And if you follow Jesus, he's going to heal you. He's going to change your heart. He's going to help you see. Oh, I just think that's beautiful. And he ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill... Because, again, he didn't want to stir up a whole big another mess and have to move on again another place. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory. And in his name the Gentiles will hope. Oh my goodness, there's a lot in this little passage. What, What springs out to you? We could just take it line by line. My servant whom I have chosen. That's Jesus. My beloved. The one my soul is well pleased with. Those are three descriptions of Jesus. Mm-hmm. He's beloved. He's chosen. He's the Christ. 
Mm-hmm. And we know from his baptism with John the Baptist, God audibly says he's well pleased. Yeah, yeah. And then he says it here too. So can I point directly to him? So we should listen to him. Mm-hmm. We need to listen to him. And then it says, I put my spirit upon him. He proclaims justice to the Gentiles. Not just to not just to the religious. Yeah. To those that didn't have the religion of God. The religion of Jesus. Hmm. People outside our churches. Yeah. People outside our country. People outside our country. People outside of this. I mean, if you think about how Jews might have looked at Gentiles, it's very easy to imagine how we... Because America is just this one big, we're all the same. Like, mm-hmm. if you go to any city in Texas or uh, Illinois or wherever, you're going to find a Walmart, you're going to find a Pizza Hut, you're going to find the same mm-hmm. old stuff and pretty much the same old people. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's variety, but yeah. but yeah. then we think about all these other countries where they have different cultures and religions and they speak a different language and they're like Gentiles to us. Yeah. You know, they're, or they're To us, they are. Yeah. To us, they are. Exactly. Yeah. To, to like they Americans. They seem different. Their they, culture they seem, is different. Yep. And we, we, we think that they're going to pollute our our way of life if we let them influence us or something like yeah, that. And yeah. we, but God loves them and he's going to bring justice to them as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think, um, okay, so those are, those are great descriptions. Then the next one, verse 19, I think really matches up with Jesus's reaction. How, mm-hmm. you know, he went away. Yeah. He went away quietly. He didn't yell and cause a, you know, he, he wasn't like dogmatic and indignant and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, calling them names and calling them idiots. Yeah. Oh, you idiot. How can you not understand the words of the Old Testament? It's easy to understand. You have to be an, an, an ignoramus not to get these verses. He yeah. could have easily been harsh with them. Oh, like my that. goodness. You're right. He totally could have. He could have. He <laughs> and that, and made think about that's how fools. we argue. I've had so many arguments where, like, that's how it goes. Somebody ends up getting mad and calling somebody stupid or idiot because they didn't understand something. Yeah. And he could have totally been that way. Uh, he didn't quarrel. He didn't qu- quarrel. He didn't cry aloud. No one heard his voice in the street. He didn't and, raise his voice. And yet, how many followed him? Yeah. What does that say? This, this loud, this boisterous, belligerent maybe. way of defending God? No. Maybe that's, maybe that's not actually going to be effective. Not that effective. <laughs> not that effective. And oh my goodness, verse 20. There's a beautiful book with this title. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not quench. So because he's so gentle, because he walks with such a soft tread. Yeah. That if there's a bruised reed. That's already almost broken off. He's not going to snap it off. He's not going to be that rough. He's, he's going to be the opposite of rough. Yeah. He's going to be so tender, so gentle, so careful, so conscientious, so considerate of others Mm -hmm. that um, if you're already a little bruised, you don't have anything to fear from him. If you're a smoldering wick, you know how you almost burn out. Yeah. You're almost tired of this whole religion thing. You just think it's you're fed up. Too many people have. He's not going to walk past so fast that that it just puts you out. Yeah. He's going to be gentle and maybe. Yeah. Fan you back into a flame, which would mean you need to stop, pay attention, yeah. take some effort, be intentional. Jesus will do that with you. 
with me, with all of us. Mm-hmm. That's cool. There is a beautiful book called um, A Bruised Read by The Bruised Read by Richard Sibbs. And you can get a, um, I think, um, not an abridged, maybe a slightly abridged, but also kind of modernized English because it was 400 years old, this book is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about, so, so you've sinned. <laughs> so you're broken. So you're ashamed. So you don't like your past. Well, you have nothing to fear from Christ. And he goes on, he talks about your sin at least destroys your pride. And at least rec- helps you recognize that you really need you really need help, hmm. and you can find that help in Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful book, and um, if you if you want that modern English, it's called the Puritan Paperbacks hmm. version. Which, to be honest, those six or four hundred year old books really aren't that hard to read. Sometimes mm-hmm. <laughs> the King James can be. We've had this conversation before. We have, we have. But, yeah. But, but not not that. Yeah, their their English was pretty modern. Yeah, and and so, like, reading reading that, reading that book might just... If you've got... If you're dealing with a lot of shame, if you're dealing with a lot of guilt, if you are dealing with a lot of rules, but you've never been able to keep the rules to your own satisfaction, and you feel mm-hmm. crushed and ruined and broken... Mm-hmm. Jesus is the one for you. And that book will point that out. But this passage will point that out. Mm -hmm. Until he brings justice to victory. Justice is going to win. Hope is going to win. Mercy is going to win. And in his name, the Gentiles will hope. Hmm. Wow. Wow. That's good. That's good. That's us. That's us. That's literally us. This, this we're Gentiles. Uh, yeah, and this, we are the people that this passage was actually writing about. Yeah. You know, we're thinking about our Gentiles. No doubt. But we are those Gentiles. We are those Gentiles. And we have this hope. We have put our hope in this, this ancient Jew. And isn't it so funny that even though we being Gentiles, we can grow up with this and start to think we're the insiders. We've got all the rules. <laughs> we know how it's right. And um, move away from the character of God. Mm-hmm. But oh my, this was this was the God that came to our people and gave us hope. Mm-hmm. Let's get back to him. Let's be with him. It's freeing. Mm-hmm. Freeing. Well, should we take a little break? Yeah, let's do that. Take a break. Wrap Come things back, up. Wrap it up. Sounds good. Okay. We'll be back in a, a second. Okay, everybody. Our camera died. So we were already at the end of our podcast. Um, so we're just gonna wrap it up on this little te- on this little phone video. Yeah. yeah. And uh, today was Freedom Current, and we loved the topic and the verse and the chapter. Yeah. Yeah. A verse that stands out to me is, "I desire mercy and not sacrifice." And then, yeah, how much more value is a man than a sheep? Yeah. The the how much more value is a man than a sheep is so good. Oh. So, we yeah. want you to know that God values, and the, and Christ was literally displaying. Freedom, yeah, in God, in yeah. freedom, in uh, in loving humans and showing mercy over nitpicking about the letter of the law that actually is going to cause harm to people. Right. Um, right. It's it's pretty cool. That's so it. this is Freedom Current. Can't okay. wait to see you guys. We'll see you the next time. time. We'll roll the dice for the next one. See ya. Yeah. See ya. <laughs>